Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, and I want you to go with me to the 10th book of the Old Testament. I want you to go with me to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, if you have a hard time finding it, it's right after 1 Samuel, the ninth book of the Bible. But I want you to go there to 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I just want you to keep that passage marked because we'll get it to it here in just a few minutes. I'm going to continue to talk to you today on the subject that I started last week, this thought of in the middle. And again, I believe that this is a subject that we can all identify with today because in some shape, form, or fashion, all of us are kind of in the middle this morning. As believers, as I said last week, as believers, as followers of Christ, we're in the middle of our salvation. We have been saved. We're going to be saved. That is, our spirit has been saved. Our bodies is going to be saved. Our bodies one day is going to be glorified. But right now, we're in the middle. We're in that process called sanctification. So we know what life in the middle is like. We know what life in the middle is like in that we have a promise from God that Jesus is going to come again. But right now, that's what we have is we have a promise. One day, that promise will become a reality, and Jesus is going to come back. But right now, we're just kind of stuck in the middle. And that's why Peter says that we are pilgrims and we are strangers, that we are nomads in this world, that we're just passing through. And so each and every one of us here today, we need to learn how to do life in the middle, how to manage the middle. And that's what I'm going to continue to talk to you about today. And we're going to look at one particular person today that I believe is going to help us, that's going to teach us much about how we handle life, especially how we handle spiritual battles when we're in the middle of those battles. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, David is pinning his last words. This is the last psalm, this is the last song that David would write, and he takes the first seven verses of 2 Samuel 23 to write this last song. And in this last song, he just kind of remembers some things. He, he remembers, first of all, how that God had anointed him to become king over all of Israel. And then in this psalm, he also remembers how that if it had not been for God, that he would have never been able to be the king that God had anointed him to be, nor would he have been able to accomplish the mighty exploits that he had accomplished. But then after you get past those first seven verses, David said, it wasn't just God who helped me, but he said, God gave me some men to fight with me. And he called these his mighty men. Now, when you first look at these men and where they came from, the last thing you would probably think of is that they were mighty men. And just stay there in 2 Samuel chapter 23, but... Look at this passage here in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2, because it tells us that all those who were in distress, all those who were in debt, all those who were discontented gathered around David, and he became their commander. 
about 400 men with him. Now that 400 later became about 600 men. But can you imagine this being your army? All those who were in distress, all those who were in debt, and all those who were discontented. And I've heard folks take this passage of Scripture and really make these guys look bad. But, but listen to me, there is a good reason why they were in distress. There, there's a good reason why they were in debt. There's a good reason why they were discontented. It was because of the government. Well, I thought you would laugh a little bit more right there. <laughs> it, it, it really was because of King Saul. I mean, King Saul's son, Jonathan, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, even said this about his father. He said, my father has caused much, much trouble throughout the land of Israel. And so Saul, not being a very good leader, not being a very godly leader, somewhat oppressed the people. And there were a group of them that were sick and tired of being distressed because of Saul's leadership and being in debt because of Saul's leadership and being discontented because of Saul's leadership. And so they knew that David had been anointed to be the future king of Israel. And so they decided what we're going to do is we're going to align ourselves with the future. We're, we're, we're going to con connect with David. We're, we're going to fight with David. And so David takes these, what became 600 men, and out of those 600 men, 30, a little more than 30 of them, they, they, it's somewhere probably between 30 and 37, of those men became known as David's mighty men. And then out of those 30 plus men, three really rose to the top. And when I show you this next passage of scripture, you will understand why they rose to the top because these next three men that I'm going to show you in scripture, th this is who you want on your security team. This is who you want sitting with Nick on the front rows at church on Sunday morning. But, but listen to what the Bible says about these three men. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb Bashabeth. Boy, there's a name for you right there. Josheb Bashabeth, a Tachemonite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. I want him on my security team. If he can take out 800 with one spear in one encounter, yeah, that's who I need for a bodyguard. But, but he wasn't the only one. It says next to him was Eleazar, the son of Dodi, the Aoite, as one of the three mighty warriors he was with David when they taunted the Philistines. Now, now notice that. They're picking a fight with the Philistines. They taunted the Philistines that were gathered at Pasdemim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. That is, the rest of the army retreated. These three were left by themselves. But Eleazar stood his ground and struck down Philistines until his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. Boy, that's who you want on your team right there, isn't it? Somebody that's going to fight even when they're weary. They fight through their weariness. 
And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And then notice what it says. The troops returned, those that had fled. They returned to Eleazar, but the only reason they came back was to strip the dead. You just need to know right now that when the real heat of the battle takes place, there's going to be a lot of folks that's going to run. But the moment that the enemy's been defeated, they're going to come back and enjoy the spoils of the battle that somebody else fought and won. But then this third man is the man that I want to talk to us about today. Next to him was a guy by the name of Shema. We know him maybe better as Shama. But Shema was the son of Agai, the Hararite. And when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops, notice what they did again, they fled from them. But Shema took his stand in the middle. <laughs> I say that again. But Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Now, it's okay, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not gonna stop you. Now last week I shared with you that every one of us has a middle and that our middle pretty much all contains the same things. And that would be the same for this guy by the name of Shema. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this episode in Shema's life because he finds himself here in the middle. And, and, and so for those of you that need a sermon title today, this is my title today. We're gonna take our word for 2021 that God has given us, which is the word stand. And then we're gonna take this thought that I talked about last week and that I'm gonna talk about today in a few weeks to come. And so today we're gonna to talk about stand in the middle. Stand in the middle. Because that's what Shema did in this passage of scripture. Now as I shared with you last week, all of our middle begins with a reality. Let me show you what his reality was, what Shema's reality was. His reality was this. It says that when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. So I want you to see where Shema is. Shema is in the middle of a field of beans. He is in the middle of a field of peas. In the middle of a field of lentils. Now, one thing that you have to understand about a field of lentils is that field is flat. There is no high ground. And all of the sudden, the Bible tells us that these Philistines, and I'm going to come back to that in a moment, banded together to attack the Israelites. And, and so, Shema finds himself in this open field, there's nowhere to hide. Not only that, it's harvest time because the Bible says that the field is full of lentils. It's full of peace, which means that those bean vines are probably about knee high, which how many of you know are not the ideal circumstances that you wanna be in when you've got a fight? Because you can get entangled in those bean vines. But, but here Shema is in the middle of this field. He is 
vulnerable to the enemy. And he looks around him and he notices that everybody else is gone. Everybody else has fled. Now listen, it does say that the field was full of lentils, which tells me that it's probably harvest time, which means that it's time now for them to reap the fruit of their labors. And notice when the enemy shows up. You got to see this. He shows up at harvest time. He shows up not when the field is empty, but he shows up when the field is full of fruit. When the field is full of the harvest, that's, that's when the enemy showed up. Now, I don't know, maybe those Israelites, because harvest season was a time of partying for them. They, they were probably celebrating. They were probably rejoicing. It was time for them to reap the harvest. And maybe they were so focused on reaping the harvest. Maybe they were so focused on rejoicing over the harvest that they did not see the enemy approach. And he was able to catch them by surprise. Maybe they were out in the field and didn't have their weapons with them. Maybe they were not as prepared as they needed to be. And so when they looked up and they saw that these Philistines, Philistines, who are the Philistines? This is that warmongering, mean-spirited, idol-worshiping group of people that for over 200 years harassed the people of God. And they were persistent. They would go to battle, but if they lost a battle, that didn't mean they were going to quit. That just mean they were going to they were going to strengthen themselves and they were going to come back stronger the next time. And I mean they were continually harassing the people of God, continually causing trouble for the people of God. And now they have banded together. Now they have formed a troop. Now they have joined forces and they're all coming against the Israelites and when they see it Maybe they're intimidated by it and they head for the hills. Everybody but one. And his name was Shema. And notice what I shared with you last week. That once we have determined what our reality is, our reality always presents what? A dilemma. And that's what Shema faced at this moment. He faced a dilemma. He had to decide, am I going to flee or am I going to fight? Am I going to run or am I going to stand here in the middle of this field? That was his dilemma. Now, we also know, according to last week, that a dilemma always opens the door to what? It opens the door for deception. Let me tell you where deception comes in in this story because you wouldn't see it if you didn't study it out. Shama had a father, the scripture tells us, and that his father's name was Agai. He was a Hararite. I believe in scripture that names were very important. Names were very significant because names were either prophetic, which spoke of a person's destiny, or a name was given to describe the circumstances or the situation into which they were born. Do you know what the name Agay means in Hebrew? It means a fugitive. It means somebody who flees. Do, do you know who his daddy was? His daddy was a runner. 
His daddy was one that when he was faced with situations like this, would flee, would run, would head for the hills. And now he's in a dilemma. What is he going to do? Which opens the door to deception. And I can guarantee you that the enemy began to play on his mind and say, oh yeah, what are you going to do now? You're going to be like your daddy. You're going to be like your daddy, and when things get tough, you're going to run. When things get tough, you're going to become a fugitive. When things get tough, ain't nobody going to be able to find you. And you know what? Shema could have listened to the lies of the enemy, but he didn't. And how many of you know last week after we talked about the whole deception thing that it's important who you talk to when you're in a dilemma? It's important who you listen to and what you listen to when you are in a dilemma because if you're not careful, you will listen to the wrong voices, which will cause you to do what? To make the wrong decision. And that's where Shama is at this point in the story. He's got to make a decision. He can even listen to the lies of the enemy that says your daddy ran. So you being like your daddy, you're going to run to, he could have listened to those lies and not experienced the kind of victory that he experienced. But no, instead, What did he do in the middle? What was the decision that he made in the middle of that battle, in the middle of that fight? Here's what the Bible says. Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck down the Philistines. Now understand, this is a field of beans. This is a field of peas. This is not a field of gold. This is not a field of oil. Why was this field so important to Shema? Evidently, it wasn't important to everybody else because when they were under attack, they ran. But what wasn't important to them was important to Shema. And I believe I think I know why it was important to Shema. Because first of all, Shema understood that this field belongs to God. And that God entrusted this field to us and that we've been instructed in his word that we are to be good stewards of God's land. And we're to be good stewards of God's property. But not only that, this property also belongs to the king. And I have fought for the king before, and I'm going to fight for the king again. But I believe it went even deeper than that for Shema. I believe this was his field. I believe that when the enemy showed up, he looked at them and said, "Uh uh-uh, not today. Not today. I'm the one. I worked hard plowing this field. I worked hard planting the seed in this field. I worked hard cultivating this field. I worked hard keeping the weeds out of this field. I've worked hard. I've invested much trying to keep the varmints and everything else from coming in and trying to destroy my field. I've put much into this field. I've worked hard. I've invested not only that, but here's what I believe he was thinking. He was thinking, you know what? If I give him my beans this week, next week, he's going to be back for my barley. And if I give him my barley next week, then the next week, they're going to come back for my corn. And if I give him my corn, then the next week, they're going to come back and they're going to start taking my sheep. And if I give him my sheep, then they're going to start coming back and slaughtering all of my cattle. In other words, he was saying, there ain't no way that I'm going to give up ground to the enemy today that tomorrow I'm going to have to go and take back. 
No, 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 no. You have picked a fight with the wrong person today. I've worked too hard for this field. I've invested too much into this field to walk away from this field. And he took his stand in the middle of that field. And notice, he struck the Philistines down. Because decision leads to what? Death. Something's going to die. You make the right decisions, the right things are going to die. You make the wrong decisions, the wrong things are going to die. But he made a right decision, and as a result of that, he destroyed, he defeated, he killed his enemies. And then he experienced deliverance. Because notice what it says. It says that Shema took his stand... He defended the field. He struck Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Who brought about the victory? The Lord brought about the victory. Shema did what Shema could do. You see, what the Israelite or what the Philistines didn't know is that Shema had a secret weapon. And that secret weapon was when it looked like everybody had abandoned him. When it looked like everybody had left him on that battlefield to fight all by himself, I believe Shema knew that I'm not here by myself because I serve Jehovah Shema. <laughs> Woo! And do you know who Jehovah Shema is? Jehovah Shema, it's the Lord who is there. And he said, I know that I'm not there in the middle by myself. I know that I'm not there fighting this battle by myself. I know that the Lord is there with me. And he said, I'm going to do what I can do, but I'm going to trust God to do what I cannot do. And it never was. It never was about Shema. It never was about the peace. It never was about the field. It was all about God. Amen. All about God. And so Shema was able to walk away from that battle with a God did it testimony. <laughs> oh, is there anybody here this morning that has a God did it testimony? You say, well, pastor, how in the world? Does this apply to me? I'm so glad you asked that question because so many of us in this room here today, we may not be in a physical battle, but we are in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Paul said in Ephesians 6 and 10 and 11, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in a spiritual battle. And folks, do you feel like sometimes that the world, the flesh, and the devil, all of our enemies have formed an alliance, that all of our enemies have formed a troop, that all of our enemies have come together to come against you and against me. That is our reality. And do you know what the enemy is after? The enemy is after your field. You know what your field is? Maybe your field today is your marriage. Maybe your field today is your children. Maybe your field today is your business. Maybe your field today is your freedom. Maybe your field today is our community. 
But the enemy is after our field. Listen to me. He is after our field. And he knows his time is short. And so all of our enemies are combining forces to come against us. That is our reality, which presents us with what? A dilemma. What are we going to do? You only have two choices. You're either going to run or you're going to stand. You're either going to flee or you're going to fight. That's the dilemma that you're in today. And if you listen to the lies of the devil, he will tell you, well, you know your history says that when faced with these kind of issues in the past, they always ran. They always tried to hide. They never really dealt with these spiritual issues and spiritual battles in their life. So are you going to be like them? Are you going to run as well? Are you going to hide as well? That's the deception of the enemy, to try to get you to believe that you don't have what it takes to stand firm in the middle of that battle. But you got to understand when you're in that place of dilemma, it's important who you listen to. You need to listen not to the voices of man. You need to listen to the voice of God and make your decision based on that. Because some of you, that's where you are today. You're in the middle of that spiritual battle. And there's a decision that has to be made. And you're standing in the middle of your field. And you're vulnerable to the enemy. And when you look around you, you see my parents have already given up on me. My children have already given up on me. Maybe even the church has already given up hope and faith in me. And you find yourself standing in the middle of that field all by yourself. But let me tell you what mighty men and women of God do. They look their enemy square in the face and say, listen, I'm the one who's done all the hard work in this marriage. I'm the one who plowed the ground. I'm the one who's planted the seed. I'm the one who has cultivated this thing. I'm the one who has kept it watered for your children. I'm the one who's been praying for those kids' salvation. Listen to me. My children are precious to me today. My grandchildren are precious to me today. I've prayed too many prayers. I've fought too many spiritual battles for the salvation of my children to let the enemy come into my field at harvest time and take what I know belongs to me and belongs to God. I gotta preach on me this morning. Hallelujah. You worked hard to build that business. You plowed long hours. You cultivated. You've planted much seed. And the enemy has come when? Not when your field was empty. Not when your business was prosperous or was, was not prosperous. Not when your business was not producing anything. But now that your business is productive. Now that your business is prosperous. Now that your business is fruitful. Now that you're seeing the fruit of your labors. Now is when the enemy wants to show up. And you've got to dig your feet deep in the soil of your field and say no no, no, not today, Philistines. Not today, Satan. I've worked hard and I've got too much invested to walk away right now. This community, listen to me, this community belongs to God. We've prayed too many prayers over this community. We've had too many serve projects over this community. We've fasted too many meals over this community. 
that now that it's harvest time to let the enemy come in here and scare us away. No, it's not going to happen. We're going to stand and defend. Because listen, you give him the community, you know what? He'll be back next week for your marriage. And once he gets that, he's not going to be satisfied. He's going to be back next week for your children. And then next week, he's going to be back for your business. And you don't need to be giving up ground today that you're going to have to fight to take back tomorrow. He stood just like we need to. He stood in the middle and he defended. (laughs) And he struck the Philistines down. And as a result of that, what happened? Death. And there's some enemies in your life today that are not going to die until you begin to take a stand against those enemies. And once you do, all you know to do, trust God to do what you can't do. (laughs) And God will deliver. Because you see, it's not about us. It's not about our field, it's not about our peas, not about our corn, not about our barley, not about our stuff. It's so that we can walk away from the middle with a God did it testimony. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.